Well, hello and welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Andy Bannister and I'm joined as ever by my uh, wonderful co-host, Christy Mayer. Hi, Christy. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you very much, Andy. Greetings from London. Greetings from London and greetings from Scotland. Well, we have an amazing uh, privilege uh, on uh, this episode of Pep Talk because we are joined uh, all the way uh, from the US of A by Mary Jo Sharp. Mary, Jo, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, it's so good to be on and greetings all the way from Portland, Oregon. Oh, thank you. Well, it's a real privilege. I've been looking forward to this uh, a while because Mary Jo, you and I have known each other for a while, haven't we? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was ominous, isn't it? You haven't come across Mary Jo and her amazing uh, husband, uh, Roger, the only person I know who knows more puns than I do. Um, (laughs) But you wear a number of hats. You uh, are on staff at Houston Baptist uh, University uh, in the States where you teach apologetics, right? Yes. Yes. Well, that's a good answer. And uh, (laughs) also uh, run a ministry called Confident Christianity. People who followed Solas may recognize that name. under the sun and uh, also you're uh, the author uh, of a fantastic new book which is I think where I'd like to start our conversation on this episode so your new book is called why we still believe is that how, why I still believe why well, I still believe yes mm-hmm. and uh, what I love about why I still believe is it's a sort of um, so many things combined in that book but really I guess it begins with the story of uh, how you came to Christ from an atheist uh, background uh, which is great but then sort of a few things went wrong at that point <laughs> what, what kind of happened shortly after after you became a Christian yeah that's um, certainly thank you for asking me that that shortly after I became a Christian um, I mean, just immediately from the very first experience I have as a new believer in the church, uh, I started to notice that the things that drew me to Christianity, the things I was excited about, like the truth and goodness and beauty of God, uh, were not very well reflected in his people. And I I mean, from the very first day that I walk into the church, I'm already Mm -hmm. experiencing judgmentalism, hypocrisy, all sorts of stuff going on. Um, So what happens is that over time, you know, you don't just immediately respond to those kind of things like, hey, this is wrong. Over time, you start to think, wow, this, is, um, this isn't good. Like this, what I'm seeing in the church is not what I was reading about in the New Testament, like how we're supposed to do unto others as we want others to do unto us and how we're supposed to be confessing our sins to one another and how we're supposed like, I could just start downloading all these things on you. But I was basically going, where are the people that I expected to find when I was reading the New Testament? And I was very disappointed at that and what that led to, um, not just disappointed, but there were a lot of situations in which I got very hurt in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that what that led to was me having doubt about whether or not anybody I was going to church with actually believed in God. And then when, I, when that started running around in my mind, the next thought was, well, why do I say I believe in God? Um, why, why do I think that I have a relationship with Jesus? Why do I say that God exists or that Jesus rose from the dead? And I realized I didn't really have good answers to that. And so that started me on a search, uh, for answers, which brought me into the field of apologetics. And I didn't even know that was a field and never meant to get into it. (laughs) That's amazing, Jay. I mean, how did you actually, I mean, having got into the field of apologetics, what is it that helped you to navigate that just really painful and tricky terrain of seeing that kind of hypocrisy in in the local church the place that's meant to be you know a beacon of of God's goodness how did you how did you work through that I mean I'm guessing you're still in church today <laughs> I am <laughs> my husband's actually up uh, he's in ministry he's a pastor and so <laughs> it, it was so that's a really big question because there's many parts to it so we'll just kind of hit a few things in short form 
Um, one of the things that dealing with my doubts helped to push me into a deeper faith where I started studying the Bible at a deeper, deeper level and started studying some of these philosophical issues. Uh, and one of the ones that really helped me was the problem of evil. The more that I look at the fallen status of mankind, the more that I understand the depth of his depravity uh, and, mm-hmm. and how um, people are not, even the, the best people are not going to act uh, perfect. They're not going to, you, you know, they're going to fail you. You're going to have um, hurtful experiences with them. And that should be expected in the kind of world in which we live. And so that helped me like having an understanding of what is the problem of evil and what is God doing about it? You know, why is Jesus going to the cross and rising from the dead? And how is that working with the problem of evil? And what does that do? Those finding those kind of answers helped me to handle some of the hurt and the grief that I was experiencing in the church because I came to the realization that this is the kind of stuff that humans do. Hmm. You know, one of the reasons I find your your story so so fascinating i mean firstly i think any story of someone who's come to faith from a from perhaps an atheist background is hugely encouraging because sometimes i think you know christians sort of get you know sort of hear lots of stories of people who've gone the other way mm. and to realize that actually there are plenty of people who come from you know from atheism and skepticism into christianity but you know to stay on this issue of, of hypocrisy so many people i think have run into friends or family members or colleagues you know and as they've tried to have conversations about jesus and the gospel you know the issue that you ran into as a new christian gets thrown back at them they've had an experience their, their friend their colleague has had an experience with christians you know behaving in a way that's that's hypocritical or unhelpful mm-hmm. um, i've had those kind of conversations where people say that don't talk to me about about christianity because of and then some horrendous you know story gets thrown in how do you, from your experience and what you've learned from actually going through this yourself, when you meet people who that is the stumbling block that keeps them from Jesus, how do you engage them and try and get them to see what you saw? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, so the first thing that I, I want to do is that I I don't want to just like push past the the painfulness of whatever it was they experienced in the church. Because they obviously, you know, that's a valid experience. They have some kind of hurt in the background there. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm listening to them and give them an opportunity to express uh, their their you know disappointment with the church, like like I have expressed my disappointment with things that have happened in the church. And I'll get you know I'll find whatever wherever I can agree with them. But then I want to move them on to discussing well. You know, uh, from from just having agreement about yes, those things shouldn't have happened, to understanding what we mean when we say those things shouldn't have happened. You know, what are we trying to say? We're trying to say that there's a way things should be, and so I want to help them see that that they actually do have a commitment to um, something better than this. They have a commitment to some kind of point of reference for goodness, and. You know, in making the argument of hypocrisy in the church, they're saying that um, there's a moral standard that we should live up to that we're not. And so then I want to talk to them a little bit about well, what is that moral standard and, and where do we find a moral standard, you know, that we can use as our reference point for making these kind of judgments. Um, so hmm. I'm, I want to make sure to do that with them if they're allowing, like, right, I'm not just going to throw this on them, but this is like, so the conversation's going along, we've been talking and, you know, I want to get to that point. But I also want to make sure I get to the point of um, what does it look like in a world without God? So these things that we feel like should or ought, these these injustices that we see, um, are they still there 
in a world void of God. In other words, can you ground them? Not just are they there, but can you find a reason for thinking that there's such things as injustice or evil or those sorts of things in a world void of God? So it's sort of the, the path that I follow is very much being attentive to them personally and validating their experience uh, and then pushing them a little deeper to work through this issue. Hmm. That's so good. I think one of the things, I'm not that I've been stalking you, Mary Jo, but um, I believe in your previous book, Why Do You Believe That? And one of the things that you tease out is the importance of listening to others well as you go through these different, as you go through these kind of not steps, but the process of engaging um, others with the, with the gospel. How, how do we listen well? Because I think often we feel like we either have loads to say or perhaps we resort to listening because we don't actually know what to say. So we'll just keep listening. How can we be active listeners as we go through identifying those different kind of steps and putting forward um, the gospel, thinking about how we ground moral values and, and other things like that? Yeah, there's, there's several ways that we can do it. But I, th- I would think if we boil down it to like one way to say, what does it mean to listen well? I would say um, listening well entails trying to others understand the other person's point of view the way that they understand their point of view. Uh, because when we, when we do that, we're, it's like that walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. You're really trying to get a sense of what it is they think. Um, because too often we get ourselves into the, like we place people into categories. Oh, you're Muslim. Oh, you're atheist. Oh, you're Christian. Oh, you know, whatever. And then we think we know mm. what they believe and who they are. And when really we don't, we, we can't jump into the mind of an individual to find out what exactly they're thinking. And I've never met a single person who expresses their beliefs in the exact same way as anybody else. So the listening part um, with trying to understand their point of view the way they do it respects them. It shows that you respect them greatly. Like you really do want to minister to them. You really are um, valuing what they have to say. And it also, because you're doing that, it helps you not make assumptions about their views. It helps you not build straw men about their views where you're actually um, reducing their view to something else so that you can knock it down easier, which that's creating untruth. And then it, it helps you find points of communication with them so that if you're worried about, well, what would I say to a Muslim or to an atheist, uh, by listening to them, you find the points of communication where you can talk about something that you know about. I think that's um, really helpful. You know, one of the things that I think sometimes holds us, us back as I was listening to you saying that, Mary Jo, is I think sometimes I just wonder whether Christians are afraid of, of listening because almost by listening we kind of we were we worry that we're validating uh, so we sit and we allow our muslim friend to share what they believe we allow our atheist friend to you know have a bit of a grumble about religion and maybe just part of us on the inside is thinking oh i need to i need to step in here and tell them why they're wrong <laughs> rather than learn that you know what we can allow other people to describe what they believe um and that doesn't validate it it just treats them as a human being and then we can respond uh when they've expressed themselves exactly i mean that's yeah, it's erroneous view that you're validating it by listening to it because just think of all the things then you would be validating just because you heard them mm-hmm. um, and just because you listened to it. So uh, yeah, just it's it's really important to drive home to Christians that a lot of people think that we don't respect them, that we just want to barrel on through and just tell them what the truth is before we even care about them. Uh, so that that's sort of a perception that people have of us. And we need to be intentional about tearing that perception down. Hmm. Now, what, 
one other question I wanted to throw your way. We sort of uh, brainstormed before us beforehand a few of the, the three of us on things we might talk about, but but something that just sort of occurred to me um, as we come into the last sort of uh, few minutes of the of the show that we didn't talk about beforehand. Obviously, you're involved in in higher education. Uh, you're there at Houston Baptist. And so you're dealing with a lot of young minds and trying to equip them to understand what they believe and be able to give reasons. Um, are there areas, Mary Jo, whereas you do that on the kind of academic side where you find yourself thinking, gee, there are some things I think the church needs to raise the game on. There are things that, you know, I'm continually seeing young people, young Christians haven't thought about that actually they need to think about. So if there are, you know, perhaps church leaders or youth leaders listening to this podcast, you know, what would you sort of say to them? Hey, you know what? The question that your young people are going to run into, because I see this all the time, is this. And this is something you might want to do to to better resource them for the kind of world we live in. Does that kind of question make sense? Yeah. I, I just thought, like, I was thinking of a ton of things. And you're like, what's the one, <laughs> I thought you probably one thing? <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm going to list a few things here, and I'll try to keep it real short. Uh, one of the big things that churches are not talking about, and it is a perennial, like it is constantly around us is the problem of evil. And I don't think the churches are handling that question very well. They're not teaching on what it is. There's a ton of historical material of writings in church history on it. And in fact, um, even recently with a very public deconversion story, some uh, church person said, I, we're not even talking about these issues, like the pain and suffering of mankind. And I'm like, we've literally been talking about those since the beginning of Christianity. So we need to educate our congregations and our, um, and therefore our young minds about the problem of evil. Uh, I would also say sexuality, obviously we're not doing a lot, enough work in the area of sexuality and identity. Uh, and now the church is doing reactive work to what's going on in the West instead of having been proactive. So that's another one. But then I would wrap it up by saying, I don't think the church does a very good job of what life is for, of what it means to be human. Um, so we give young minds this sort of image of Christianity. And I know people have said this a million times, but we give them this image of we are the religion of no. We don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And we don't teach them what relationship with Jesus is for. We don't teach them what, about the beauty of God. We don't teach them about, um, you know, when you, you know, these are the destructive behaviors that keep you from these good things that God intended for you. And here's what he wants you to have. Here's the life that he wants you to lead. And so I don't think we focus enough on just that the beauty of life of a of a flourishing human life hmm. so they don't know what to live for hmm. wow mary jo i'd love to ask you i think we've got time for just one more question i'd love to ask you about how we actually see the the flourishing of life in that we've heard a little bit about the experiences that you had being part of a church community once you'd said that you believed but what is it that actually got you into the church in the first place because am I right in thinking that to begin with it you thought religion is just for the weak-minded what was it that started to disrupt the foundations of your former position that actually got you in the church that made you see that yes this is about Jesus is about human flourishing how did that happen for you what got you what got you to Jesus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, there were a lot of things that got me there. Um, I One of the things that I realized later in my life after having been a Christian for a while was that because I grew up in a particularly beautiful part of the United States in the Pacific Northwest, I really feel like God was calling me through beauty 
and not just through natural beauty, but also I was a musician growing up. So um, I could hear the call of like the transcendent in Mm -hmm. music in sitting in the middle of a band and hearing this wash of beauty all around me as we all work together uh, to create this amazing music. And I remember thinking, is this all for nothing? Like we do this and then we just die Mm -hmm. and that's it. And it goes nowhere and it does nothing other than maybe some subjective experiences here and now relative to where I'm at. Uh, And it just, wow, it really started to cause me to question, is this all there is? And so I think the beauty of God, which we don't, in evangelical circles, we don't really talk on that as much. You know, we're really going to talk about the the truth of the word and the truth. And, and we're really good at talking about um, God's goodness, but we don't really focus on the beauty of God. And that was one of the areas that really drew me to him mm-hmm. um, was just the amount of beauty that I saw all around me and experienced and how that, that aids human flourishing. That's part of human flourishing. Mm. That's, um, that's a great place to, to, to wrap it up. And I think what I find fascinating about that, that answer um, Mary Jo, I think that's often an area we miss actually as Christians mm-hmm. is not talking about beauty and someone who loves that myself, you know, hiking and climbing and standing on the top of sort of summits, looking at the landscape, you know, it has some fascinating conversations with people over the years pressing into it exactly that so really great to come across somebody else for whom that was a big part of their journey as well yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast yes, thank, thank you so you much so for much time. mary jay i've loved it i hope we can do this again guys oh there's so many more things to talk about if you've uh, enjoyed uh, listening to this and enjoyed uh, what you've heard of mary jay do check out her her new book there'll be um, more about it on the solas website on the page on this podcast uh but otherwise uh, christy and i will be back with another guest uh, in two weeks time see you soon thanks for listening to pep talk